I know when the Spirit is leading me? Do I get a sense of peace? Is that how I'm determining it? Oh, I, I have peace about that. That must mean that the Spirit is leading me. Or is it the majority vote? Well, the majority of us say that this is where we should go. Therefore, that's how the Spirit is leading. Is that how it works? Or, or, or is it uh, just the thing that makes me happy or brings me the most satisfaction? Oh, now, obviously, the Spirit is leading in that direction. This morning, we're going to come to a passage that, to be honest, has totally stumped me, okay? I, I, I think I know what's going on, but I, I could be wrong. Paul is on his last leg in the adventures of Acts. The gospel is on its way to Rome. And once the gospel gets to Rome, we now know hindsight that it explodes in a great way. It outlasts the Roman Empire. It actually turns the world upside down. Now, when we get to chapter 21 of the book of Acts, and so if you have your Bible, you want to go to chapter 21, the Spirit is leading, definitely is leading, but we don't know which way. Because one person says the Spirit is leading this way, and another group of people are saying the Spirit is leading this way. And since there's debate about this, by the way, um, I don't think that we're going to solve it today. Just spoiler alert. I'm not going to give you the answer to say this person was right, this person was right, whatever. I, I, I have my opinion, and you'll probably see that come out in, in as I'm talking about this. You're going to formulate your own opinion as well. But I don't think that we're going to find out exactly who was right and who was wrong. So what's the point? What's the point of the sermon then? If, if we're not going to find out who was right and who was wrong. I, I think more importantly than coming to a solid conclusion about who was right and who was really listening or hearing from the Spirit, I think it's actually more important and more relevant for us to use this passage, Acts chapter 21, to actually give us the tools some principles in our own life to prepare ourselves so that when the Spirit does lead, we'll be more in tune. We'll, we'll be a little bit more understanding about where He may or may not be leading us. So we're in Acts chapter 21. We're starting in verse 1. This is what Luke tells us. After we had torn ourselves away from them, we put out to sea and, sa and sailed straight to cause. Uh, the next day we went to Rhodes and from there to Patara, and we found a ship crossing over to Phoenicia, and we went on board and set sail. After sighting Cyprus and passing to the south of it, we sailed on to Syria. We landed at Tyre, where our ship was to unload its cargo. Finding the disciples there, we stayed with them for seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. But when our time was up, we left and continued on our way. <laughs> All the disciples and their wives and children accompanied us out of the city. And there on the beach, uh, we knelt to pray. After saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship and they returned home. We continued our voyage from Tyre and landed at Ptolemais, where we uh, greeted the brothers and stayed with them for a day. And then leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. And after we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, The Holy Spirit says in this way, 
the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. Hmm. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, The Lord's will be done. There you go. And by the way, there's a map for those who want to kind of see where they were going. Paul is now in Tyre. And once he reaches Tyre, the believers there that they stayed with for seven days tell them, for seven days, do not go to Jerusalem. And it said that they were saying that through the Spirit. Hmm. Uh, Then Paul goes to Caesarea where a man named Agabus, who is a prophet of the Lord, seems to be telling him, do not go to Jerusalem. Or at least he's telling him what is going to happen to him when he is there in Jerusalem. And yet, what does Paul do? He stays the course. He goes to Jerusalem. for, For Paul, it's Jerusalem or bust. Now, why? Why is he so stubborn? Well, you got to go back to chapter 19. Uh, to, to verse 21 to, to figure it out. Because there in Acts 19, 21, Paul says this. After all this had happened, Paul decided to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia and Achaia. And after I've been there, Jerusalem, he said, I must visit Rome also. Now, two things about this. Number one, he realizes that the ultimate destination is Rome. I must go to Rome. He realizes that that's God's call on his life, is to go to Rome. But, next slide, he also decides to go to Jerusalem. Now, at this point, there is nothing in the text that tells us that God tells him to go. There's no command from the Spirit to say, why don't you go to Jerusalem first, and then you must go to Rome. It seems very, very possible, by the way, that Paul, on his own, not in direct obedience, not in direct disobedience to any command from God, makes a decision about his life and his ministry direction. Now, let me ask you, is that legal? Is that legal? Is that okay that you sometimes make a decision about your life or your ministry direction? Is that okay? Of course it's okay. Now, yes, sometimes God has a very specific thing for you in your life. But sometimes God says to you, guess what? I have equipped you. I have given you this very large vision to take the gospel out and make disciples of people. And and sometimes, yes, I have a very specific place for you to go, a very specific person for you to talk to. But many, many times God says, you're a big boy, Trey. You can go where you want to go as long as you're doing what I want you to do. For some of you, that's like, whoa, I, I, I always thought that God had a very specific thing. There are times in my ministry that God absolutely had me go someplace. That, that it was absolutely clear that the Spirit was leading me to go in a certain place. But there's other times in my life where God kind of said, well, Trey, you know, where would you like to go? What would you like to do? Uh, you, you know what you're supposed to be doing wherever you go. And, and God sometimes does that. 
So at this point, it's very possible that there is no will of God on Paul's life except to take the gospel into the whole world, to the Gentiles, right? And so for, for Paul, it might have been that he hasn't heard from God one way or the other, and that he knows Rome is the eventual destination, but for him, he wants to go to Jerusalem. Now, there are two camps out there that i got to tell you about. Two camps of scholars, and this is why I don't know. I cannot tell you who is right in this particular instance, because there's two camps out there. The first camp is saying Paul is obeying the Spirit. Where do they get this? Well, they go to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verse 22. Paul actually says this. He says, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem. Well, people who are in the camp that Paul would never do anything that God wouldn't want him to do, um, they, they, they put him way on this pedestal that he would never have any struggles whatsoever. They say that, that, of course, he's obeying the Spirit because it's obvious that he's been compelled by the Holy Spirit. Well, maybe, maybe. We'll table that for just a few minutes because I want to go back to, is this really the Holy Spirit? Well, it says, capital S, Trey, there it is. The Holy Spirit, that, that, that's the Holy Spirit, compelled by the Spirit, right? Ah, we'll get back to that. Camp 2 says this. No, Paul is being stubborn. Paul is being stubborn because Paul always wants to go to the Jews. God has called him to the Gentiles. Paul really wants to convince the Jews of something that he had a problem with, and eventually he saw the light. So he even tells us in the book of Romans that his heart is very jealous for the, zoo, for the Jews. He wants them to come and understand who Jesus is. So every time he would go to any Gentile place, where would he go first? He'd go to the, the synagogues where the, where the Jews were because he wanted to give them the gospel first and then he would always then go on to where God wanted to go. And, and so people say, uh, you know, Paul was told to go to the Gentiles. There are not a lot of Gentiles in Jerusalem. It seems that God, secondary, is talking through the believers entire to not go to Jerusalem. They also said through the Spirit, they told him, do not go to, to Jerusalem. And Agabus, the prophet, seems to be telling him to not go. Is, is Paul just being stubborn? It's very, very possible that there is a misunderstanding here, a, a, a kind of a confusion. And what this tells me is this. If Paul has a problem discerning the voice of the Spirit, what chance do I have in understanding the Spirit every time he talks to me? I mean, think about it. We put so much pressure on ourselves. Oh, I, got, I, I, have to, I have to know what the Spirit is saying to me. If Paul had difficulty, don't you think that maybe we will sometimes as well? I, I, I believe so. I believe so. I, I, I believe that though it is, should be our desire and, and our goal to really truly hear from the Lord and respond, I think sometimes it's, it's a little bit hard to, to figure out what he's trying to say or if he's really leading us. And so I have found some principles in the Bible that will help us determine for ourselves if what we are feeling or hearing is really from the Spirit or not. 
these are the ones I would love for you to write down. So grab that piece of paper out from your, your bulletin and start writing these down. Number one, number one, the Spirit always agrees with Scripture. The Spirit always agrees with Scripture. Jesus said that the Spirit proceeds from God the Father in John chapter 15. I've got that up on, on the board. Jesus says the Spirit comes from the Father. And the Spirit testifies to who God is. The Spirit testifies who Jesus is. The Spirit testifies to what God's Word has to say. And so because that's what the Spirit does, it will never go counter to what God has said. Ever. So if you are feeling led to do something that is contrary to what is in this book, i got to tell you, there should be no question whatsoever Like the red flag should be going off in your mind. The Berean believers, they they would test any teaching that came through. Well, we are encouraged to test whatever spirit comes through as well. And if we're feeling a leading, and you're saying, but but Trey, I just I I know that this relationship would be wrong in God's sight but she makes me feel so much better than my wife does. I know God wants me to be happy. And I would say, excuse me? God wants you to be holy, not happy. Now, there is joy in in following his will, but it's not always going to be something that you want, which actually brings me to the number two thing. The spirit will never be tied to things of the flesh. Now, I'm not just talking about things that are sinful when I talk about things of the flesh. I'm really talking about anything that's worldly or, or temporary. Now, that's, the, the Spirit is not going to spend a lot of time on things that are going to go up in smoke one day. The Spirit is going to be concerned about things that are eternal, that are godly. Paul tells us in Galatians to, to live by the Spirit, and we will not gratify the desires of our flesh. And that's sometimes our sin nature, but it's not just sin. It's it's anything that we want that is not eternal. In fact, Paul says that the spirit and the flesh, those natures are incompatible. So if you're trying to discern what the Holy Spirit is trying to direct you for, it's, it's a good idea to say, are you operating in your flesh? Or are you operating in the spirit with his kingdom in mind? For example, if fear is driving you, to make your decision. I guarantee you that is not a, a prompting from the Holy Spirit because fear is part of our flesh. It, it's, it's something that's part of our temporary, our sinful nature. And, and God would not have us move on something that we're just afraid of. Or, or he would not necessarily lead you into something that you're thinking, well, what's the best, what's the best alternative for me? Where, where can I find the, the best investment for this? That's obviously where God is trying to lead me. Uh, really? If you're feeling more tied to the material world than you are looking at God's kingdom, it's a good idea to stop and deal with that first before you try to figure out where God is leading you. Number three, the Spirit will have a different voice or a distinct voice than your own. Have you ever, um, have you ever convinced yourself or talked yourself out of something that you... You, you, you felt this was right, and then all of a sudden you begin to do self-talk, and all of a sudden you convince yourself to do a, a, a something different. Um, one of the things that I was very, very prideful about at one point in my life, especially in college, was, 
was my intelligence, or at least my, my uh, ability to hold on to trivia and to not let that go. So there were five of us, five of us college kids, who after Sunday night church would get together and we'd play games. And one of our favorite games was Trivial Pursuit. And this was so cool because as we would play Trivial Pursuit, I was on a team, me, and the other four people would be on a team. Uh-huh. And sometimes I would win, and sometimes they would win. And it was such a, it was, it was a great time, great competition. But what I loved about that was this. Here I've got the Trivial Pursuit question, and I know what the answer is, and somebody on that team would actually say the right answer. But you know what would happen invariably, right? All of a sudden, the other team would start to talk, and all of a sudden, they would convince themselves out of the right answer. And, and I, would, I would just be chuckling because somebody would have said it, and, and, then, and then they'd say something else. Say, Is that your final answer? Because I did not want them to go back to the right answer. Don't we do that to ourselves sometimes where we, you know, we've got this prompting over here, but our voice now then gets in there. And our voice says, I'm not sure that that's right. I, see, when we're listening to God's voice, and it sounds an awful lot like us, understand that that's probably not God's voice. God will actually tell you to do things that are not natural, not, not something that would have come from your own heart. His voice will be different. I, I remember back in 1988, after a, a trip with uh, the, the people from my college, I literally said this to God, I will never live in Oregon. <laughs> and God goes, oh, okay. That, let me write that one down. Never live in Oregon. So seven years ago, when all of a sudden there was this prompting, to go to Oregon, I'm thinking that, that's actually when I knew it wasn't me. That was not my voice. And so then I was able to, to realize that that might be something that God was doing. And so that, that made me stop and, and, and look. See, my voice won't always know the truth. My voice will actually sometimes ignore the truth at times. But the voice of the Spirit will always lead me into truth, and it will be a distinct voice from my own, and it will not necessarily be uh, leading me to make a a logical choice. People who don't get it, they may question why you would give up a week of work, of of pay, to go down to Mexico to to do manual labor to build houses, or or if you're in high school, that you'd give up a week of of spring break to go down to to sweat and the heat and why would you ever do that? That doesn't make sense to them. It's not logical. You can go down there and party? No, we're going to go down there and build houses. Why? See, see, then you know that that's probably God's spirit, not your own. Uh, why would you give away so much of your income to the church? You don't know what they're going to do with it. You'd make a better investment in your own, in your own life. Why, why are you giving all of this away? Why are you living like that? Why would you choose to forgive that person who made your life a living hell? See, people don't get it. But when it's the Spirit, sometimes you won't get it either because it's a different voice than your own. Fourthly, I believe that the Spirit will always use other people to confirm the message. Will always use other people to confirm the message. Well, when you get a sense of leading from the Spirit, let me ask you this. What do you do with it? Do you just sit on it? Do you kind of mull it over? 
asking God to give you signs. You, you, you know why I don't like signs? Signs are great if you see them. Have you ever blown past a sign? <laughs> Try, trying to find a, a house that we're, we're trying to deliver a mug to or, or, or trying to get to, and you, you know that you're supposed to be looking for Elm Street, and, and you've blown past Elm Street because there was the sign, but you just went right past it. Okay? So do you ask for signs, or have you ever considered sharing your, your, um, your questions this, this potential leading with other people who are a little bit more spiritually mature. Maybe somebody that God's put in your life that is a, a spiritual mentor or a discipler or, or, or a leader. See, there's a principle found in the Bible. A lot of the Proverbs have it that there's actually wisdom in a multitude of counselors. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22 says, Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. See, God actually puts people into your life that are a little bit more further along on their spiritual journey than you so that you might ask them to be a part of the decisions that maybe God is leading you to do. And God will use those relationships to help you determine whether it's him or not. Here's where I think, me personally, here's where I think Paul messed up. Because back in chapter 16, when Paul wanted to go to Asia, and he was being prevented from going, he actually brought the vision of going west to his traveling companions. And, and, and there in, in uh, verse 10 of chapter 16, it says that they concluded, which tells me that there was some interaction, that there was some discussion, probably some prayer, that there was more than just one voice. And together they concluded that God was leading them to go west, not east. Does that make sense? So here in chapter 21, when other people are saying to Paul, don't go, don't go, don't go, Paul goes, la, 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 I'm going to go. Why? Because I felt a long time ago that I should go. Okay? So is God contradicting himself? Did God tell Paul to go and then he told everybody else to tell Paul not to go? Well, we know that God doesn't contradict himself. That's not good theology. So what's going on? I, I told you that we'd get back to this thing uh, again. When, when you look at Greek, what the, old, the, the New Testament was written in, Greek does not have capital letters. So when you get to the Spirit, okay, is that the Holy Spirit? Sometimes it is. In fact, in, in the passage that I read, when it says the Holy Spirit says that the owner of this belt will be bound, that actually uses the word Holy Spirit. So we know that the Holy Spirit was saying that through Agabus the prophet. But the other times that the Spirit compelled or through the Spirit, there's no Holy Spirit. There, there's no other modifier of that word at all. There's no capital letters. That would have been nice if they would have given us capital letters. So when in your English Bible, it does have a capital S, let me tell you that that's what scholars believe that to be. Okay? But there really is confusion when we don't understand from the original language if this is Paul's spirit compelling him or if it's the Holy Spirit compelling him. If this is the spirit of the people telling him not to go or if it's the Holy Spirit telling the people not to go. So scholars, again, are split. 
Can you see how complicated things can get? And that's why I don't think we're going to come up with an answer today. But I do want you to see three things that are not confusing at all. Number one, God gets his way in the end. So, so ultimately, if God is leading you to do something and you miss it, does, does God go, oh, no, what am I going to do? Hinkle didn't hear me. God still gets his way in the end. Whether he was leading Paul to go down to Jerusalem to eventually get back up to Rome, or whether, whether it was own, Paul's own desire to go to Jerusalem, eventually, guess where the, the, the gospel ends up? In Rome, exactly where God wants it, right? God is in control, make no mistake. So you can submit to his authority as he works in your life, or he'll still work in your life. <laughs> His will be done. That's what they said. He, Luke and all the companions were saying, don't go, don't go. Paul says, I'm going to go. They said what? In verse 14, they said, the Lord's will be done. As you look at the rest of the story, by the way, uh, which goes on for another few chapters, Paul's going to go to Jerusalem. He's going to get mixed up in a riot. He's going to get arrested. He's going to be thrown in prison. He's going to tick off the, the Jewish leaders He's going to go from Roman court to Roman court to Roman court. He's going to be put on board a ship to eventually get to Rome. He's going to be uh, caught up in a storm. He's going to be shipwrecked. He's going to be uh, marooned on this island where he's bitten by a poisonous snake. And then he's going to be put on house arrest awaiting trial under Caesar. The gospel gets to Rome. (laughs) God wins. His kingdom outlasts Caesar's kingdom. And his kingdom will outlast your kingdom as well, by the way. And his kingdom will outlast America and will outlast this world. It doesn't matter to God whether Paul is kicking at the goads or not. He says, I'm going to get my way. So it doesn't matter whether I'm going to be stubborn or not and go la, la, la. God's going to get his way, number one. Number two, God should not be blamed for our dumb choices. (laughs) Amen. Thank you. I got an amen on that one. (laughs) I, uh, I was driving one time, coming out of a parking lot onto a fairly busy street in San Jose. And, and as I needed to come to a stop, there was a dip out of the parking lot. In between my legs was a big gulp. Why there was no lid, I don't remember. <laughs> but as I stopped abruptly, because the cars were going, the big gulp spilled all in, on my lap. And immediately, I I was already in a bad mood, already kind of in in, in a rush. I said, thanks, God. The traffic cleared and I began to go. Well, when there's a dip down, guess what? There's a dip back up. Okay. So as soon as I let all the traffic go and I got back out onto the, it happened again. And I just had to start laughing. Because it was like God says, well, I didn't do the first one, but since you thanked me, I I guess I can do it since I've already gotten the credit. Sometimes we give credit to God for trials that happen to us that he really didn't will for our life, but we just made a choice and now we have to deal with that. Now, now, what the Spirit had told Paul was that there will be hardships that face you. And so far, there have been. It didn't mean that he necessarily had to go and be arrested and have all this stuff happen to him in, in Rome. Okay? But it did. 
And so maybe that was God's will. But if it was not, we should not look at that situation and say, God, why did you do that to Paul? The, the, the couple that ignores God's wisdom in stewardship matters from the Bible. And then they get into problems with debt and credit card bills. And they actually have to lose their house. God, why did you do this to me? God goes, I didn't do that to you. You didn't pay attention to what I wanted you to do with your finances. And now you're reaping what you sowed. God, why did you allow me to get skin cancer? God says, why didn't you use sunscreen? Seriously. God is not always the cause of the troubles that we face. Galatians chapter 6, we are told that we will reap what we sow. Now, the, the hardships may have very well been ordained by God. But we can all see sometimes those things happen to us that God has not ordained for us. And if we had just followed his will, that would not have happened. And we cannot blame him for all the troubles that happened. Number three, last thing. When you don't listen to the Spirit, when you don't listen to the Spirit, it makes things harder than it really should be. When, when, when Paul goes to Jerusalem, there is no, from this point on, there is no record of anybody giving their life to the Lord. Okay? From this point on, you can read. He goes down to Jerusalem. There's no revival. There's no people that listen to his message and go, oh, I, I want to accept Jesus. In fact, what he, what he immediately gets involved in is a seven-day controversy where they say, well, the Jews don't think that you're Jewish enough, so you've got to do all of this stuff. Stuff that has nothing to do with the gospel. He now has to, 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 to be embroiled in for seven days. You know, you know, there's some things out there that are extremely important to other people, but not to the gospel. And, and you can try to, to say, I got the right theology on this, and argue till you're blue in the face, and it's not going to get you anywhere. Because, because all it's doing is derailing you from the purpose that God has for you. That's where Paul is. For seven days, he's got to do this silly little ritual thing. Then he, he's got to be put into prison and there's a riot. And he's, What if he just had gone to Rome? <laughs> what if he had just been a free man and went to Rome? What could have happened? We don't know. But now he's got to defend himself more than he advances the gospel. Yes, he's going to get an opportunity to share with some people high up in the government. But no fruit is realized. And, and it just seems, to be honest, at this point, that the story is harder than it had to be. Yes, God does get his way, but you could have made a case that if Paul had just gone to Rome, God would have also had his way in that way as well. So important to learn how to listen to the Spirit, not, not for our own sake, but for the gospel's sake. Now, God's gospel will always advance whether we are on board or not. God wants us to make the right decision. He desires that we learn how to look at his word and, and, and learn to discern his voice because there's so many other competing voices out there. And so it is very, very important to do this. But will we get it right all the time? I don't believe so. That's where God's grace is so good to know that even if we miss it or we make a wrong turn, that God's Spirit is still there saying, you know what, I'm still in control, and I can still use your life. Yes, it, it may have been A, B, C, D, E that he wanted, and you chose A, B, L, M, N, Q, Z, 
H, J, Q, back up to D, and then finally to E. E is still going to happen. God had a design, and he still will win, but sometimes we make it harder than it really has to be. And so it's good for us to learn to hear his voice. Right now, I'd invite the worship team to come up. And the best path that I can point to you today as your pastor actually stems from being a part of the flock of God. I want you to look at this passage from John chapter 10. A pretty amazing passage. He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Jesus is talking about himself as being the good shepherd. That he doesn't have to jump over a fence to, to, to force his way in. He comes by the door. To him, the shepherd, the gatekeeper opens. Then the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. Folks, the, 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 the biggest encouragement that I can give to you today as we conclude this service today is this. Learning the sound of God's voice is imperative if we will ever discern what the Spirit wants us to do. Knowing God's voice then means that you are in His Word, that you're hearing the little things, the easy things, the way that we're to live our life, the way that we are to treat our kiddos and our spouse, the way that we are to live in integrity in our workplace, and the way that we approach our, our friendships, and the way that we live our life, the little things, the easy things, we begin to hear his voice and follow it. We begin to hear his voice and understand the kinds of things that he would then want you to do. It would be awesome if we could hear God's voice all the time and know. And, and so we <laughs> discipline ourselves. There it is, discipleship, discipline. We discipline ourselves to do the little things well so that when he does begin to prompt us, we can then respond as we connect and grow and serve and go. We begin there and we will begin to learn how to discern the next steps that God has for us. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain.